I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, it's your host, at NFL on Twitter, and of course, follow the group, at UK Packers, and of course, of a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, me old buddy, me old pal, at Ryan Peacock NFL is with me in the studio. Ryan, what's going on, man? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, limited sleep, long days, but who's complaining after a Packers win? I know, it all makes it better after a victory on Monday. It has been fantastico, but I mean, yeah, the two of us knackered, staying up for the game last night. Uh, again, Ryan, great first half, ropey second half. What's the What's the Peacock verdict, man? Yeah, it was strange. This, I mean, it was a good win against what I still consider, and I know they're now two and three, but I still consider the Giants to be a good team. And any team that's got those three receivers and Eli Manning in it is a good team. Um, but we completely negated their pass rush. Our own line was awesome. Our run defense held up. Our secondary looked good against the pass. I'm, I, even, you know, Randall, I thought, looked okay. Mm. Um, the Giants gave us... Certainly, we lived on our luck on a couple of plays, and the tie, the tie um, play in, in particular stands out. Um, but I have to say, the thing that had me absolutely jump in last night was none of the touchdowns. But it was, and you'll like this because I know you're a rugby man, the rolling mall that I saw when Ripkowski goes through <laughs> and everybody piles on it. And there's a really funny moment, I thought, when Anthony Davis, I think it is, has a little look at it and thinks, shall I pile on? And he sort of <laughs> jogs towards it and then stops himself, and I think TJ Lang comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it, might be, it might have been Lang or Belaga, but one of them comes out of nowhere and absolutely just shoots through the pile, and I thought if Davis had just stepped in at that point, it had got absolutely wiped out. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was good, exciting, almost rugby-style football. They even alluded to it, didn't they? I think Chris Collingsworth or something said at the time, like, oh, that's a that's a real rugby union. Oh, they're all going to go for a pint after. I was like, yeah, okay. You know, casual racism, fair play. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was good. It was a rolling mall action. And Ripkowski had kind of a night. He had a he had a bigger average than Starks did. That, yeah, that was a 13-yard run, and he ended up at 17 on two mm-hmm. carries. So, I mean, you know, he did fairly well for himself. What's that, 8.5 uh, per carry? I mean, that, that uh, was actually higher know. than Lacey. You mugged, you mugged my maths off in the last one, so I'm not, I'm not going to try again. <laughs> you mugged me off that impossible question. I got so much heat on that. Heat on Twitter, I, I know. Did. I know. I saw people saying, I can't believe you didn't know that. Yeah, but I, I thought like, it was on. a tough one. I thought it was a tough one, to be fair, yeah. so don't be too hard on yourself. Because I was focusing on the college, and in fairness, I got his first initial right. And then when you said his first name, I got his surname right instantly. So, mm-hmm. you know, cut me some slack, Twitter. But it's not. There are no half points in impossible question. But... Look, rushing game last night, you already said, you know, Ripkowski looked looked good. He had two attempts. Mm. I want to see a bit more of him because he, do, he he absolutely looks like he's in the mould of a John Kuhn. Um, Starks did okay on, on sort of limited attempts, I guess. he's uh, He seems to be running wide a lot and not really going forward so much. Um, but obviously, he can only run the plays that are called. Um, but Lacey looked good again last night, didn't he? He looked powerful. Yeah, Eddie Lace is running really well, and it's it's concerning now with this ankle injury. He says he's fine, but you know, is this the same ankle that he hurt two years ago? Uh, is it going to be an issue? Who knows? He ended the night with eighty-one yards on eleven carries. That's a seven-point-four yard average, which is unbelievable. And we need that type of balanced production when we come mm-hmm. up against the Cowboys. Now we're not going to focus on the Cowboys in this 
podcast too much because we're going to leave that to sort of a preview podcast break it down properly but yeah Eddie Lacy certainly had a fantastic day and like you said uh, James Starks not so fortunate he had 33 yards on 12 carries so he'd one mm. carry more than Lacy but almost 50 yards less when he was running because he was doing too much of that rhyme wasn't he, he like this is obviously uh, a Giants defense that Eddie Lacy could carve up now he was getting most of it because again Collingsworth said last night you know, or if you've got 250 pounds, use them, you know. And th- th- that's right, you know, do the Alabama bowling ball, batter them out of the way. And Starks just didn't have the weight. And he spent so much time bouncing around. And the two of us, our hearts were in our mouth, weren't they, in UK Packers HQ last night when Starks got the ball and inconceivably didn't catch it properly or whatever the hell he did with it. Turned around and basically threw the ball almost rugby union style again into the, the defender's hands and he nearly came down with the interception only Starks dived on it at the end like what a bizarre play and what a horrible thing uh, to happen we thought Jesus here we go here's the capitulation again the game's going to all turn around again in the second half because of that fumble uh, turnover but it actually didn't happen but scary moment right yeah and uh, I think again just, just going right the way back I mean that's another thing there isn't it we we don't seem to have the closer do you know what I mean if, we, if we're talking in baseball terms we don't seem to have a closer at the minute we we're obviously trying to run the game out and we've seen that now in several games where we try and put the we get ahead put the running backs in it becomes a bit more run heavy um, and we try and close out the game that way it doesn't seem to be working it seems like we we're even not changing enough up and the other teams are learning from it by halftime and making the necessary adjustments. Yeah. Or we really are taking the foot off the gas. And and I would like I want to see us go out there and I don't care who it's against. Hopefully it's the next game against Cowboys or after that at the Bears. But I just want to see us go out there and dominate somebody for four quarters of football. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, there's two different schools of thought on this really, and I understand both of them. Like you know, the two of us we've spoken about it before we like aggressive football so we like the Bill Belichick style where if you're up you just keep trouncing them until you put a 50 burger on them it's good for the fan base you know you can mix and match and get inventive uh, but I do understand the coach's perspective when they don't want to do that because why would you bring out your exotic plays let's say uh, when you're already really far ahead of the of the opposition you, you deem them not to be able to catch up even though it was kind of squeaky bum time with the Lions and again this game ended 23-16 and it could have been a whole lot worse because the second half we didn't score a touchdown we only scored three field goals so again Mm -hmm. we had to depend on Mason Crosby's boot so nine of those points last night were off the boot of Mason Crosby and if we didn't have them or we didn't get up into field goal position we'd be in trouble but I would be a fan that they keep tipping along in the third quarter as well because Ryan it wasn't that long ago was it that you know the Packers were known for trucking ahead so far that they put on the backup quarterback in the fourth quarter and our garbage time wasn't the last five minutes of a game it was the last 15 minutes of a game and I'd like to see us get back to that yeah absolutely I'd love to have a game won by the end of the third quarter plus as well it means you can let other people get reps um, and you limited the injuries to, to your first team players whereas at the minute we're kind of taking the foot off the gas. We maybe start to think about that, but then we're letting teams come back at us. So then you have to leave all your starters in and it kind of seems pointless doing it. So I think we need to, I would like to see us go in and absolutely dominate a team for four quarters of football, get ahead and like I say, get to the fourth quarter and spend 15 minutes watching Brett Hundley or Joe Callahan run our offense. 
Yeah, because, I mean, the stats from this game were quite incredible for a few players in general, but also, you know, the overall sort of look of the game. On the Packers' first drive, they used different personnel on almost every single play. So we had three wide receiver sets. We did two tight ends in there. Every every single player on the skill position got a snap on that first drive, except Jared Aberderis, which is quite insane. And then after that, the Packers fell into this sort of predictable run of play. But one thing that kind of stood out to me, well, two things really. One, and we said it on the Twitter account last night, was is that for the first time, wide receivers were fully open. None of this over-shoulder throw crap. None of this having to run 50 yards down to try get the separation. There was cutbacks, there was some slant action, and they were open. The second thing that I noticed was is that Randall Cobb have a day. Have a day, Randall Cobb. It, it ended with a bang for him, the poor chap. He said he woke up and he thought, you know, he was seeing quadruple. Uh, he said, look, he, he saw 15 people looking at him. What a day. And then in contrast, and it's a game that Jordy Nelson called embarrassing by his own words. Um, I still think that he made opportunities and he stretched the field, but he called it embarrassing for him. Like, it's a tale of two wide receivers, wasn't it, Ryan? You know, the difference between Cobb and Nelson kind of flipped in this game yeah absolutely and I think especially with Cobb you know he could he should have or could have had that touchdown as well I think it was called back because the receivers would didn't get set before for a full second before the play started but that was a nice reception so that could have been you know 108 plus whatever that would have been maybe another sort of 15 20 yards so it could have been 120 yards 10 receptions one touchdown so that would have been a fantastic day um, and it's nice to see Cobb come back in and and sort of have a big game like that because I think it's been a while he's almost been a an also ran amongst mm. the receivers especially the way that Tay Adams is coming on I know he's had his early season struggles with some drops in the early games which sort of make you scratch your head and wonder why but in the last couple of games Tay Adams has started to look uh, really solid and I thought he had a nice game last night yeah I mean again I'm I don't know why but I am a fan of Devontae Adams um not now I know he drops the ball the whole time right that's a fact but I just see the potential in him being so high he's like James Jones but a younger faster nippier version and he's obviously doing something great in practice because Aaron Rodgers keeps going to him as a third wide receiver and taking a chance on him Um, but yeah Randall Cobb another thing that struck me about Cobb last night was he was there when we needed him to be there so not only was he did he commit with 108 yards uh, with nine passes he was there when we needed him. There was a third and 10 and he he rips out 13 yards. He, As mm-hmm. he said, he caught that touchdown that was pulled back for the illegal shift. And then when the Packers were on the 24-yard line, they look kind of pinned back. Um, I, I think it was third down as well. He gets that 17-yard gain, which he does all those broken tackles where he does the, he gets hit, does that little spin move. Now, he tried it again, I think, a little bit earlier and he got stuffed. He tries that spin move and breaks off and gets that 17-yard gain. Uh, which again on a third and ten alleviates the pressure now I think they went down for the field goal that time Uh, PFF Pro Football Focus had him as the fifth best offensive player in the NFL this week he was ahead of Tom Brady who came back and also had a day with Martellus Bennett so Randall Cobb really had that statement day but um, you know we want to see him don't we Ryan get back to his 2014 career highs like 2014 is, is a stark contrast to 2015 2014, he had 91 receptions, 1,287 yards with 12 touchdowns. That's also the year that Jordy Nelson was the second best wide receiver in the league. But 2015 without Jordy, 
He went from 91 down to 79 receptions. Went from 1,200, nearly 1,300 yards down to like just over 800. And his touchdowns halved. He had six touchdowns instead of 12. So do you think this is a game that is his statement game that Randall Cobb's going to march on from this? Or do you think that it was as a result of Jordy Nelson having a bad game? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's actually Jordy Nelson having a bad game. He had a quiet game, certainly. But I think what you find is Jordy Nelson has looked nice in the last few games. He's started to make reception. He's started to make yards. He looks like the old Jordy Nelson. Defenses are focusing on that number one receiver. And like like you alluded to there a couple of seasons back, when Jordy Nelson was having his big numbers, people were focusing on him. It opened up the game for Cobb. It's what we saw Cobb struggle with last season Yeah. when Cobb was struggling to get the receptions and the numbers and the separation because... Now people were focusing on Cobb because there was no Nelson. So I think what we saw yesterday was a defence maybe focusing on Nelson. And this really, really opened up the game for Cobb and for Adams. And I think you'll see this now. If we can get those three guys there, we spoke about it in the preview about how good Odell Beckham, Victor Cruz and Shepard could be for the Giants. Well, we might just, I, I think our three there proved last night that they're the bigger three in football in Nelson, Cobb and Adams. Yeah, I totally agree. If you look at Nelson's numbers, they're not far off what OBJ was doing. And again, he's seen as the superstar, the elite. You know, they trundled this guy out in New York and put him down by the end zone. And they have him slap assing with Des Bryant, you know, and they're both wearing their sort of uh, all their T-shirts and their gear. They cordon off the area. They bring down their corporate cronies and they look down at OBJ and he's there catching one-handed passes and practicing all this type of flashy crap, right? Jordy Nelson's numbers last night, he was targeted 13 times, only brought down four, you know, which for him was pretty poor. And he had 38 yards. But OBJ's numbers was five catches for 56 yards and one touchdown. Jordy Nelson, of course, got his touchdown as well. That made five touchdowns in four games for Jordy Nelson, which, again, some of these are short touchdown passes, but he's always open in the end zone. And as we all know, look how you know tight that field and tight those windows are when you start to compress the play down into the red zone. So, again, yeah. somewhere where the Packers have struggled before, they're making it happen. But four receptions, 38 yards versus OBJ's five receptions for 56 yards. I mean, that's just one sort of bomb away from having similar numbers to this, you know, so-called emotional wreck of a superstar wide receiver in Beckham Jr. So the offense, yeah, was stuttering in the second half. But again, it goes to show the potential, especially if Jordy Nelson was saying uh, that it was an embarrassing game for him. But something that I want to point out, and it's something that Julius Peppers wants people not to talk about is the Packers' defense. Julius Peppers came out and said, talk about Seattle, talk about the Vikings' defense, don't talk about us. We're doing well, we want the flyer under the radar, we don't want all the hype. But Ryan, there's no denying that this is now an absolutely elite bunch of players. And these are players that were missing a big chunk of people from the secondary uh, against the Giants, and we still made it happen, right? Yeah, so everybody thinks Packers, and everybody thinks Aaron Rodgers' passing game, right? And, you know, we they've always been generally, they're a pass-happy team. They're going to throw the ball and they're going to destroy you. I saw a statement today, and I can't remember who made it, but somebody said that actually now the Packers will get, will be strong all season on defense, and now it's up to the offense to decide how far they want to take the defense. Mm. Where I thought, wow, that's a big change, isn't it? Because how many seasons have we been going oh, we've got the offense, if only we had the defense to match it. So this is a real turnaround now. And I mean, this defense are fantastic. I think even after last night's game, we were, is it 1.99 yards 
um, an average on carry for the Packers run defense, which is the best since the uh, NFL post-merger history. So I, I can't. Maybe you can remember the history better than me. I can't remember the date, but I mean that's a lot of years, yeah. Yeah. I mean that's the best defense in that time on run defense. Our pass, um, sorry, our pass rush just looks immense. Everybody seems to be involved. Our outside linebackers. I mean, players like Daytones and Nick Perry that everybody was writing off for the last two or three years, mm. and and almost rightly so because they really hadn't lived up to expectation. These are now looking like players that are fantastic. Kyla Fackrell is another one who I thought last night was fantastic. Really, really good showing. I think he forced a fumble, but possibly was brought back. I can't. Can't quite yeah, no, he forced the fumble, yeah, and it was uh, Clark that went and scooped it up, so it stood. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so, you know, this guy, Fackrell, again, this is a guy, we, I think he was drafted another season back, um, and we didn't really see anything of him, and now he's something like third on the Packers list in sacks, you know, so it's, I, I think now our defence is incredible. And I said it in one of the very first podcasts we did this season, maybe week one, that I think it will be a top five defence. Having seen what I've seen so far, I'm absolutely now in no doubt that this will be a top five defence in the league. Yeah, and defence wins championships. We've seen that the Broncos won the Super Bowl in spite of their offence. So Peyton Manning was an absolute liability. To throw some stats at people and to make everyone appreciate just how amazing the Packers' defence are, in the Super Bowl era, the Packers have allowed the second fewest rushing yards through four games. So the only team better than them in the Super Bowl era were the San Francisco 49ers in 1995. So they allowed 157 yards in four games. We've allowed 171. So the second best record in the Super Bowl era against the run is incredible. Now, the only sort of black mark on all of this is, and this is where, you know, I'm looking forward to the Cowboys game, A, because we're all going to be over there watching it live, which is going to be insane. But more so than that is we're going to face Ezekiel Elliott, who has topped 130 yards in three straight games. He's the third rookie, only the third rookie in NFL history to do that. So if we want a real test and put a run defense up against it, Ezekiel Elliott will give us that because let's take a look at that record's incredible. And this is the NFL and there's no gimmies, but our game against the Jags, they were out with Chris Ivory. The game against the Vikes, AP went off, hobbled off, so they didn't have him. On the third game against the Lions, uh, Amir Abdullah went in the second half. And then the Giants were missing their two top running backs. So we haven't been facing a legit number one running back threat, which explains our productivity. But what I will say is, is that when AP was in the game, his production was god-awful. We stuffed him and injured him. And that's how dominant we were, right? They were shut down well before they left the field. So, look, there's always somebody who's going to want to fire shots, you know. And there are other good defences out here. But right now, this one's hanging with the best of them in the league. Yeah, and the, the defence have stuck it to everybody. Like, the pass rush is just insane. Like you said, Kyler Fackrell actually graded as the top defensive player on the Packers this week, according to Pro Football Focus. The order goes number one, Kyler Fackrell, two, Perry, three, Daniels, four, Hyde, and five, uh, Guyon. So we had four different defenders last night with three plus pressures. Nick Perry, as you said, Jesus, I mean, he's having some season. Last night alone, he had six pressures. 
He has 22 pressures in four games, which is the third highest among three, four outside linebackers. Fackrell, like, how he's not getting more playing time. Well, do you know what? I know how he's not getting more playing time because the defense is so dominant with or without him. I mean, people are making plays everywhere all over that defense. Fackrell mm-hmm. ended with a sack, a hit, a hurry, and a forced fumble, and he was only playing for 12 rush snaps. So, this is a guy who is dominant under a short snap period of time and it's something that Packers really need to look at here and try utilize him more because he was drafted this year and everyone was saying about him oh this guy has the potential to to you know match up with Clay here and be insane on third down he's matched that Ryan hasn't he he's he's been ridiculous yeah and obviously these guys got a lot of um a lot more snaps last night, a lot more plays last night because I think Clay Matthews only played roughly half the snaps in the game Yeah. because obviously he's still trying to get over those injuries. Um, we've already said, you know, the likes of Julius Peppers will not be playing every snap in the game. So we're going to see more and more of these guys. Um, and actually, I think it's the one I was thinking of was the, the J. Rowan Elliott sack and, and then forced fumble that I think was called back. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, but that guy came in for what, two or three plays? Yeah. And one of the plays, you know, his his part in that play was perfectly fine, you know, and he did that. So there's a lot of hungry guys on that defense and everybody seems to be enjoying it. Um, but just to go back, you were talking about league best there. I saw stats on the offensive line guys last night, including Lane Taylor. Yeah. And four of them are in the top 10. Lane Taylor was 15th. Mm. And that's all five of our guys as, as, as graded on PFF. Yeah, it just shows, Ryan, that we freaked out, I freaked out, you freaked out, the fan base, the stuff we saw on Twitter, the vitriol was insane. When Josh Sitton was taken out, when Sam Barrington was let go, when they gave Blake Martinez the communication helmet. I mean, all of this stuff that was seemingly bizarre to everybody, including us. I mean, even at our meet, we had Gabrielle valdez Dow. She's the VP of marketing at our last get-together. And she came up and she told the most incredible stories sort of inside sort of little special stories about Bart Starr and look if you want to really hear them you need to come to our meets so I'm not you know let's not tell you about them right it's a a trade secret but she told some incredible stories um on that night and stuff behind the scenes and it's only when you look at sort of the way people are grading now and you see what they're doing behind the scenes and how much that they know that we don't is quite incredible because that O-line, Ryan, is just insanity. We said it last night and we couldn't put enough fire emojis to that tweet to say how insanely fire that they are. I mean, they're lit. Which, if you if you look at the amount of time that Aaron Rodgers has to throw, he's got the longest time in the NFL amongst quarterbacks to hold onto the ball and throw the ball. But mm-hmm. again, not dogging into Aaron Rodgers, there's some very interesting stats when you look behind those numbers because... His O-line protection has been absolutely insane. But Aaron Rodgers was 23 of 45 last night for 259 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Now, if we break down really quickly how much time that he has to throw the ball, it's quite evident that when he gets the ball out quickly, which leads me to believe personally that he's thrown the ball in a play as designed. So... If he gets a ball out in under 2.5 seconds, he had 19 throws, he completed 12 of those, and he gained 158 yards, and he had a passer rating of 103.2. Now, he holds onto the ball too long, so he had 29 throws, which is 10 more 
than under two and a half seconds. He had 29 over two and a half seconds. Uh, 13 he completed for 151 yards with a passer rating of 40.9. So when he gets the ball out quickly, he's over the 100 mark where we're used to seeing him. He holds onto the ball too long. He get he can't even reach 41. That's yeah. troubling, isn't it? It is, but I try not to read too much into it because at the end of the day, if the protection's there, your quarterback's safe. And just because the protection's there for, a, for we could be there for ten minutes, it doesn't mean he's going to take nine and a half of those minutes to throw the ball. So for me, it's still I wouldn't read too much into the protection and the timing that he has. I would read more into just the play that's there. Can the guys get free? And what was the pass on early? If the pass is on early, he's going to hit it. That'll be his first read. If it's not, and it's a play where he has to let it develop, there could be a whole host of reasons for why those plays are not working at the moment. Yeah, and it is encouraging to think that we do have an O-line that's going to keep him healthy. On 50 dropbacks, they've only allowed seven pressures between them all. And he had the average time to throw of 3.28 seconds, which is by far the longest in the NFL. So once he gets it out under two and a half, he's golden, but he actually has nearly three and a half seconds to throw the ball. Um, which is pretty insane so I'm sort of wondering is it the wide receivers aren't on the same page they don't know particularly where to go uh, when the play does break down to come back double back and get the ball it's hard to know but do you know what I did see a few throws last night uh, from Aaron Rodgers where he'd rolled out like really far rolled out uh, to a point where it was almost silly he was almost sitting on the bench and then that's when you know he had an open defender who was coming rushing at him he tended to panic a little bit. It's very uncharacteristic. He used to be more accurate under pressure, but he he kind of panicked and he threw the ball, and that's exactly how that second interception happened. Now the first was Jordy Nelson's fault, which he admits that was a catchable ball. Now a difficult mm-hmm. ball to catch, but you know definitely catchable at his standard. And he let it bobble off his hands, which is a massive no-no. And uh, Janoris Jenkins came down with it. But this that second one, that was where Aaron Rodgers was being rushed on by a defender. And he was half trying to throw it to a receiver, half trying to hit the ground with it to be safe. And Jenkins got down low and caught it. I thought that was pretty uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, it it wasn't. But I'm still not worrying about it. Like I said, there's there's too many reasons for for something like that to happen to just try and pinpoint it to one thing. So the problem is, is when we're watching the game, we quite often can't see everything from the one camera angle mm. and so really we need to be almost Madden style behind the quarterback and look at the whole field and see what he's seen the Giants defense last night wasn't terrible Janoris Jenkins had a good game they obviously lost two cor- cornerbacks very early in the game which must have really hindered them because I think they were already short in the secondary yeah so you know we, we, but then having said that obviously as the game went on they, they sort of dealt with it better so th- there's a lot of reasons for it I wouldn't read into it too much um, I'm certainly certainly encouraged by what I'm seeing at the moment and and the, the connection between Jordy I would say is back Randall Cobb seems to be back Devontae's doing things the only um, the only one that concerns me probably is Montgomery doesn't seem to be Montgomery doesn't seem to be on the same page. Obviously, Janice is just returning from injury. Trevor Davis, they're sort of blooding slowly. But for me, Abraderis, obviously not getting in at all into yesterday's game. Yeah, it's, they have so many weapons, but they're not using them. They, they kind of went a little bit boring in the second half. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not, I'm not dogging into A-Rod at all. Like, he showed last night again that only he can make certain plays that no other quarterback can make. He does get the ball into areas where you're like, Jesus, how did you even manage to do that? 
Um, and again, he's a he's an excellent game manager too. I mean, we saw him throw up the ball where he thought he was going to get a flag. And I thought we were enforcing on a number of occasions where I thought yeah. Jordy Nelson was obviously being held that he didn't get the flag, you know. Yeah, I thought there was a one definite one on him um, towards, the, I think it was first quarter where mm. it looked. I mean, maybe it's hard, isn't it, to look at it with an unbiased eye when you are essentially biased. But it, it did look like a call to me. And I think everybody else in Lambeau thought the same thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But it, you can see it's one of those that maybe could have gone either way. But you're right, there was a lot of tight decisions that didn't go for us. I mean, even down to Odell Beckham's touchdown, I thought. I think if it was one of them, if the referee, if if the ref on the field had called it a no touchdown, it would have remained a no touchdown. It was just like, hmm. um, you know, the gun show Ed Hockley called it. It's, <laughs> you know, there wasn't a good enough camera angle to give you a, to to be able to overturn that decision. So I think again, you know, we were unlucky there. Um, this, I guess, in general, this game had the feel of something that could have been a hell of a lot bigger mm. and a far more dominating performance. And it, it, for a number and number of different reasons, it didn't get there. But there's still so many positives to come out of this game that we need to be feeling good about it and especially good about it going into the Cowboys game. Yeah, it was a great win. I mean, we, we pulled out the stats, didn't we, in the last podcast that uh, the Packers haven't lost a home game in October since 2010, I believe. So, I mean... Yep. You know, it's just forever. It's it's an encouraging win, and again, you can see just so much more potential. I mean, every field goal could have could have ended in a touchdown potentially, um, if we just didn't take our foot off the gas. And as well as that, I mean, I'm not one of these dudes who uh, begrudge an old field goal. I mean, any points is good points because when it comes down to it, you know, that's what you you just need to keep clocking up those points. Eventually, you can demoralize the opponent. Yada yada. We won't get into the strategy, but. I'll take a field goal every day. I know people crib about it and say that you can get the touchdown, but look, get over it. Um, but I think, you know, that's all that we can really say, isn't it, about the Giants game? It, it was a positive result. Uh, there's so much more, we feel, so much more positives. No huge injuries, particularly to come out of that game. Uh, we'll sit on Lacey. Yeah, there's the Eddie Lacey one, and obviously Cobb probably feels a bit sore today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. The only thing probably to think about is is there a couple of guys coming back from suspension is there this week I think Dimitri Goodson and Mike Pennell so we need to see if they hit the active roster and I think you know especially uh, like we just said you know if Abraderis doesn't make the field last night you know they're going to have to make some moves to get him back on the roster and I'm starting to worry a little bit <laughs> yeah you're, you're but, a big fan aren't you he's your Justin Perillo he is my Justin Perillo yeah. <laughs> but yeah We've done well, haven't we, Ryan, to, to muddle through, I think, this day. It's been, what, what do we have, like an hour and a half sleep? Yeah, not not a great deal. And it's what, yeah, I don't know. It, I don't even know what time it is anymore. <laughs> I looked earlier, do you know, do you know I was watching I was watching um, the game back. I was watching condensed version to just watch it back over again earlier. Yeah. And I thought, God, I don't know, what time is it? And I looked and it was quarter to six. And I was like, I swear it should be bedtime. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you start snoozing, when you get in the door, you know, it's a bad time. But you know, we're not complaining. Starts- Head starts bobbling on the car on the way home. But look, victory Monday, I'll take that every day. It's way better than misery Monday. The Packers seem to be rolling. Uh, and other exciting uh, news is is that we are having another get-together um, and that the tickets are selling incredibly fast. And to give, pe- look, to give people a bit of a background, no one's asked, but I think I'll put it out there. The money that we're collecting for the tickets are going to the venue. They're not coming to us. So don't think under any circumstances that this VIP event that we're doing in Bloomsbury Lanes the money's coming to us we're just collecting the money to pay for this vip room so 
what's the story ryan uh we, we're getting two rooms are we we've got one room fully full up and we're looking for the second now to fill the second or how's it going yeah, so one room sold, um, which is 15 tickets. We've got a second room on offer to us because we've sold the first 15. So but essentially we've got another you know, 10, 15 tickets we want to sell. Um, if we can get 10, then we'll be able to do the room. Um, so we, we've got to get at least another 10 tickets. The only things to think about, obviously, especially if you go into the London game, obviously the London game will finish about half past four. Because of the time difference and like daylight saving and all that stuff going on, the Green Bay game will kick off at five. Mm. So there are a few people that are going, that's fine, I'll leave during the fourth quarter anyway, they beat the traffic out and get there. You can get from Wembley to Euston Square, it's the same line and it's only, you know, it's, it's only a matter of a few stops, it's not major. Um, and then from Euston Square to Bloomsbury Lanes, it's, it's a five-minute walk. So you can be there on time. The beauty of our tickets as well with the VIP is, as we said before, you can roll up straight down the red carpet and through the door. No queuing with all the other bears and lions, Seattle fans that we don't want to associate with, straight through the door and straight to the Packers party. Yeah, so this is the 30th of October in Bloomsbury Lanes. If you're attending the International Series game, like Ryan says, uh, jump on the tube. It's a few stops away uh, and come on in. If you want to go in early, by all means, uh, get in there on time or whatever. And if you're coming late, like what Ryan says, it's red carpet action. Your name's on a guest list. They don't let any riffraff in. So if you want tickets, uh, contact us. You can DM us on Twitter, at UK Packers. Uh, go onto our website, www.ukpackers.co.uk. You can find sort of a contact us section on there. Uh, hit us up directly on an email, ukpackers.live.co.uk. Uh, Facebook, hit us up there. Just search UK Packers on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You can DM us there with a you know a picture of your beautiful face. Whatever you I want. I think something to say as well, it's a fantastic venue and obviously Green Bay and the Falcons are on at six. Mm. Um, we'll be watching that on Game Pass there as well so you get the good old American coverage. Um, what we can do after then is the rooms are ours for all night. So if you guys want to stay all night and watch all three games, the venue is open so you can do that and you can keep that VIP room. So, you know, if you've got coats or bags or anything else with you that you've been traveling with, you've got, you can keep them in the VIP room. Um, there is a bowling alley there. There is a restaurant there. There's a pizza shop there. There's a couple of different bars. Um, they usually have beer pong. They us- there's all sorts going on, isn't there? It's, it's madness. So there's lots and lots to do. And we're speaking from experience. We're not going to BS on anybody here. This is where we hold our Super Bowl uh, party every year. So we've been there. We know the venue. We know the people. Uh, we've eaten the food. We've played the bowling. We've watched it on the projector screens. It's all top notch. Uh, so it's Bloomsbury Lanes. Give us a shout. Get the tickets. We've had people have me, Ryan. There's lads coming in, ordering five for their mates, you know. And that, that first room f- f- you know, filled up in no time. So do get in contact with us. Um how you pay is is you can go onto our website or your own paypal account and hit the family and friends option and it's 20 what is it 20 pounds a ticket ryan so they just uh, yeah. give the 20 pounds as sort of a as a cash transfer and again the reason we do it that way is is because we don't get anything from this it's you're giving us the 20 pounds and if you pay us in that way it doesn't get charged the fee if you go and pay it as a normal donation or something like that it gets charged one or two quid and then we'll have to pay the one or two pounds for you to go to our event which doesn't make a whole lot of sense and so we just want to cover the cost of the actual room and it's 20 pounds per person is what we've been told and that's what we're charging well not we're charging that's what we're getting and that's what we're paying yeah, we should say as well that anybody that doesn't have a PayPal account or not particularly sure how to use it, and there have been a couple that contacted us, 
get in contact anyway. Send me and Stephen your email. And then what we can do is we can send you a money request using PayPal and then you essentially fill in debit card or credit card details like you normally would on any other online shopping and we can get the money that way. So if you don't have an account, don't worry about it. You won't need to set one up. We can send a, a money request. Yeah, and I know look, talking about all this money thing is always sort of secondary or tertiary to what we actually do here. We're just trying to get Packer fans together. We're a reliable fan group. We're a trustworthy fan group. The Packers themselves come over. They film the documentary on us. Um, and you just have to go onto our Twitter account, at UK Packers. You can see us uh, at our last venue, uh, which was the Hippodrome, which was a fantastic place. They've, some of the VPs from the Packers are there. Um, so, you know, you can trust us, so don't worry about it. And we always get back. If you just if you nip onto Facebook, you can see our response rate is 100%. We get back in seconds or something like that. So we're highly responsive. Um, so don't worry about it. We're a friendly and approachable guys. And again, look, we call out our Twitter handles at the very start. You know who we are personally too. So you know mm-hmm. you can trust us. We'll call it quits there. We're going to try to do a podcast uh, before the Cowboys game to sort of preview the Cowboys game. And why it's a little bit more unique is is because unfortunately Ryan who went over last year with the crew can't go this year uh, but I'm heading over with the UK Packers crew uh, there's about 30 of us heading over to see the Cowboys game and all of the madness that's going to happen with that so we're going to try to get a podcast in uh, before I go away uh, with the crew and Ryan's going to be back in UK Packers HQ man in the man in the machine the Twitter box and everything else and then hopefully do a podcast from over on Lambo. But for this week and for this Giants post review, it's from at the NFL on Twitter, at UK Packers, the group, at Ryan Peacock NFL. It's goodbye for now. And get in touch and let us know what you think.